Good morning. Welcome to worship. Would you please stand to your feet as we begin today? We want to get our worship on, and we're hoping that's exactly what will happen as we just come to celebrate the Lord, his goodness, his presence, his salvation, heaven, all of that together. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart a Sunday morning hallelujah and it's lasting all week long can you hear it can you feel it it's the rhythm of a gospel song oh once you choose it you can't lose it there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. I've got an old church choir singing in my soul. I've got a sweet salvation, it's beautiful. I've got a heart overflowing cause I've been restored. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. No, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. When the valleys that I wander turn to my say hallelujah hallelujah Woo, yeah it's good to be in the house of the lord man especially on a day like today we just want to celebrate what god is doing in our midst and and today as you can see there's a baptistry over here on your right and uh this morning we have uh, some baptisms that are going to take place and what a great 
proclamation of the gospel, proclamation of somebody's faith in Jesus Christ and the washing of sin. Bury with him in the likeness of his death. You rise and walk in the newness of life. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. Impacting lives for God's glory. And, uh, man, we're glad you're here today, uh, especially. And then the, even next week, we've got some baptisms that are going to take place. So we're excited, and we hope that you'll get excited with us as we come to this place to worship him. And so this, uh, this next song, we, we've introduced it, oh, I don't know, uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, it's appropriate for today as we think about baptism and uh, just knowing that it's, it's not the water that saves us, but it's the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ that saves us. But the water symbolizes that washing and the cleansing. And so we're excited. Uh, those of you that are viewing online, welcome, man. We're glad that you've tuned in. You're a part of us, even though we might not be able to see you. You see us, and hopefully uh, when you decide to come here, please introduce us. Man, I've been watching online. We've already got some families that have been coming that uh, heard about us, learned about us online. So we're excited to have this ministry. So let's uh, keep your worship going, okay? Get loud, get strong, clap your hands if you feel like it. Uh, this is a good one to do that, too.
say it's so good to be with you today it's so good just to see your smiling faces and to be together as a body of Christ and and to realize that you know one day one day one sweet day as the song says we're going to be together and we will never need to say goodbye again we will never hurt Again, the Bible says he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Only love will abide. And our faith will be sight. And we will see him. We will see and hear the angels. There's a song that says, I can only imagine. The truth is, <laughs> we can't even imagine because we've never known perfect. But that's where we're headed. Amen. Amen. And it didn't come without a price. And the Lord paid that price. Think about it. As we uh, sing this next song, it's entitled, Oh, the Cross. Oh, the Cross. Mm. Can you just Allow your heart and your mind to go there right now just to, just to think of what he endured for you, for me. Mm. Lord God, in Jesus' name, we just want to come and we, we can't say thank you enough and, and thank you just doesn't seem to to say it good enough of what my heart's feeling, God, just knowing that you've gone to prepare a place for us. <laughs> and in that place, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying. You're going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And oh, no more dying. None. church go there with me would you in this song as we think about the price that he paid on the cross
yourself to be in a spirit of prayer right now. Think about where you were before Christ and where you are now and thank him for that. That's all glory and praise to Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Savior who spilled his blood and broke his body for you and for me. Father, thank you that you did that for us and that we can come and just give you a smidgen of praise back. Lord, help our entire life to be nothing but praise and glory and honor to your name, that we would be the ambassadors, Lord, who share you with everybody. In the name of Jesus. And guys, let's sing that one more time. Thank you. Let's sing it from the depths of our heart. Thank you for breaking the bread of your body and spilling the wine of your blood. Thank you, oh my heart will sing forever. and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. We're going to pick up there in just a few minutes. A couple things just want to share uh, with you. One, uh, if you've been following the uh, piece of property that we had put on the market uh, not too long ago, it did go to closing. And uh, so thank you for your prayers and your guidance uh, on uh, uh, the sale of that. And what we're planning on doing is a couple maintenance things around uh, the site. And uh, then the majority of those funds are going toward debt reduction. And so uh, more than half of our current debt's going to be dealt with on that. And so thank you for praying uh, about the Stony Hill property. And I just want to keep you involved and included on that. And secondly, I want to say thanks. Over the past year and a half, we've made uh, changes and we're kind of getting back to normal now and more of a regular service. And I just want to thank the Choice family for you, uh, you following the lead of the church you know, sometimes we had to make decisions that not uh, everybody agreed with. And like, how do you move ahead uh, in some of these things? Uh, Pastor Ryan uh, said he has a little statement that he says, uh, I need to be patient with myself. I've never been through a pandemic before. And I thought that was a pretty good statement to uh, think about. But uh, thanks for your uh, leadership as well as following us in uh, uh, the direction during that time, being flexible, and we're continuing to make some changes uh, as well. And I appreciate your help uh, with all that as well. We do have a baptismal service, so we're excited about uh, that today as well as next week. Next week is our family service, so elementary and up will be in the service, and we will have a baptism as well as communion for the church family, so we're looking forward to that. Go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and let me open in prayer. Dear Father, I pray for those that are listening online this morning that you would minister to them. I pray you'd give them uh, calmness as they listen. May they uh, just remove the distractions out of their life and be able to focus on you. And I pray that each family, each individual that has joined us here this morning, that your word would minister to them. 
that you would be more real, would come to life in a new and fresh way. I pray for our young people. Lord, uh, just do some great things this morning, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to pick up there in just a minute, but I titled my message this morning, uh, and Beth, thank you for that last song, uh, just uh, you know, bringing our heart back to Jesus and thinking about, how, yeah, that's the simple gospel, isn't it, that Jesus died for us. He shed his blood. The only way we could ever get to heaven, that, that really ministered to me, so thanks for um, uh, your uh, leadership in that song today. But uh, uh, I want to talk about a house of prayer. A house of prayer, what does that really mean? We're going to pick up in, in 1 Timothy 2, but let me give you an overview where we've been this year. Our theme for 2021 is the truth sets us free. And we've been talking about the importance of truth. Not just the information of truth, as vital as it is, we need to know what we believe. It's important as Christians, what do we believe? What is our worldview? What is our understanding of the scriptures? But more than that, not just the information, but the transformation of life. Truth sets us free. Truth isn't just for our mind, it's for our family, it's for our daily life, it's for our private world, it's for the things that we live out in our life. The truth should set us free to give us liberty in our own daily life. And so this year we kicked off a series called The Real God and we began talking about the doctrine of God, theology, who is God and we talked about that and then we had our Easter service and since then we've been talking about the doctrine of the church, loving what Jesus loves. Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. The church is to have an important role in our life, and one of the big things that we have been talking about is the word church, or the Greek word ekklesia just simply means a gathering together, the assembling. The church isn't this building with a steeple, it is the people itself. It's not the place, it's the people. As 1 Timothy 3.15 says, Paul was writing to Timothy in what we call the pastoral epistles. Most of the New Testament letters were written to local churches, and these three were written to the leadership of the church and to the pastors, and he says, but if I'm delayed, Paul is writing this, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. I'm writing this letter to the pastoral, the Christian leaders in the church, that the church would know how to behave itself, that they would know how to conduct themselves. Now, what is this uh, uh, thing called? He calls it the house of God. It's not this building, but it is the people. When I grew up in church and uh, attended Sunday school when I was little, if I was running down the hallway, Mrs. B. Craft would say, now, Timmy, you don't run in church. We are in God's house. We don't do that in God's house. She was talking about that building structure. Now, that's really not theologically correct. We're not talking about the building. The building isn't a holy place. We call this room sometimes the sanctuary, and holy things happen here, but it's not the concrete, it's not the block, it's not the wood or the drywall that make this building a holy place. It's that we've sanctified it before God because of who we are. When two or three are gathered together, Jesus is in the midst. And so he's talking about the family of God or the house of God, the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So the church family is the church. The choice family is the people here. And he says it's the church of the living God. 
This isn't my church. It isn't your church. This is God's church. It belongs to him. He purchased it. He is the one that's provided the direction, the leadership. He's the one that receives the glory and the honor. It is about him, right? It's not about us receiving any glory. It is the church of the living God. He is living, and the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. You see, God has three institutions that he designed. Back in Genesis, we see two. We see the family was initiated from the beginning. In Genesis 1, God created mankind. In chapter 2, he said it's not good for Adam to be alone, and he created the family. He brought Adam and Eve together, and he said, I want you to propagate and fill the earth. He designed this thing called family. Family is the first institution. It's the most important institution. All society uh, should uh, function around this idea of the home. The home is so vital and important. Then in Genesis 9, he's talking about if you take the life of someone, the government has the role and responsibility to bring in the punishment for that. Not individuals, but the government has that right to bring in punishment. We have the military, we have police, we have uh, the local government around us. That was instituted by God. That's not something man created, God created. He created family. Then he instituted government, and we see the nation of Israel coming out of one of those important governments we we'd looked at before we talked about the church. And then in the New Testament, the church is instituted. Jesus said it this way, I will build my church. So there's three institutions. There's the family, there's government, and then there's the church. All three have distinguished roles. They all have important responsibilities, but they're not to conflict with each other. You see, the church shouldn't do the role of the family. You have the role of the family to bring up your children. God has given that stewardship to you. That is your primary responsibility. We partner together, we work together, but God has given children not to the church, but to the family. Also, God didn't give children to the government. He didn't uh, design them to be turned over uh, to the government and the government's responsibility. It's a family responsibility, right? I remember when uh, my kids uh, went to public school mostly. We did private school, homeschool, and uh, public school. And I remember we were in Hartwood Elementary School, and uh, one day one of my kids came home and said, yeah, my teacher said, Dad, when I'm at school that they're the boss, and when I'm at home that you can be the boss. I said, no, it's not going to work that way. God has given you to your mom and dad, and we are the bosses. Now, we can delegate teaching. We can allow certain things to happen, but the teacher's never the boss. Mom and dad are the boss, right? That is the responsibility that God's given the home, and that responsibility is not given to the church as well. It's not my responsibility uh, to train up your children or to teach them biblical things. Certainly, we need to work together and partner, but God designed you as mom and dad to do that role. Jesus stated it this way in Matthew 22. Jesus is talking to some of the religious leaders, and he said this in uh, um, Matthew 22, he said, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, okay? So the government has certain roles and it's to be rendered to them and to God the things that are God's. You see what he's saying? That God instituted the government and the government has certain roles and responsibilities. The church isn't to mess into that. And then the church has certain responsibilities. The government isn't to mess in that. 
You know, it's not the, the government's job to force people to go to church or to tithe to a certain church or those kind of things. That has never worked well in society. And uh, it's not the church's responsibility to, um, you know, to, to run the, the oversight of the government as far as the church, as in history. Sometimes we saw the church telling the kings what they could and could not do. It's never worked well. And Jesus says, I want there to be a separation of these two things. But... This idea was never to keep Christians out of government. Sometimes we get to talking, well, you know, Christians just shouldn't be involved in government. Or maybe you've heard that in, in society. Christians just, you know, it's not their job. But remember, and uh, Delegate Cole, we're, we're going to introduce you in a little bit. But 20 years ago, when God began to work in your life, you told me that Jesus said we're to be salt of the earth. Right, And that kind of was a passage that led you. God calls us to be the salt of the earth. As Christians, we are to be involved in politics. God calls us to have that. If we pull ourselves out of being involved in our own communities, who's going to provide leadership? Who's going to provide morality? Who's going to provide virtue? Jesus separated these things. Probably the best way this could be stated, the idea of separation of church and state, is in our Constitution, the First Amendment. Do you remember what the First Amendment is? It says this, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. This First Amendment says there should be no national church. There should be no federal denomination. That happened at the founding of our church and. The Constitution was brought in to say we aren't going to have one government denomination. We're not going to tell states what they can do. It's left up to the independent states and individuals. And then it says this, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Look at that. The First Amendment says Congress shall not prohibit your free exercise of religion. Now, if you're a young person, we have a lot of young people here today, maybe in your school they say, well, you can't pray or you can't write an article uh, about your faith that, uh, you know, there's a separation of church and state. No, it, their idea is exactly opposite than what our First Amendment says, that the government is not to prohibit you. You have the right at school, at work, in your community to express your faith. You can share the gospel. You can invite people to church. You can have a Christian shirt on. You can carry a Bible. That is your right. That is our God-given right, and it's our constitutional right as well. Now, some would say it this way. Well, you have freedom of worship, distinguishing freedom of religion and freedom of worship. While you're in your church building, you can do what you want. That is none of the government's business. But when you walk out of that building then the government has a say-so. And friends, let me tell you, that is not the case. You have the First Amendment that says the government is not to prohibit the free exercise of your religious belief. You have that freedom and responsibility to live out your faith at school, at work, and wherever we are. But God designed each of these institutions to be independent. They have their own function. As he says in 1 Timothy 3, I'm going to teach you, Paul talking to Timothy, the pastor of, the, of this church, and he says, I'm going to teach you how the church is to function. 
how you are to conduct yourself in the church. Now, if you have your Bibles, look at 1 Timothy 2, because in 1 Timothy 3, he says the purpose of this letter is to tell you how the church is to function. And he says something very important in 1 Timothy 2, and let's pick up looking at verse 1. Therefore, I exhort, Paul talking to Timothy, first of all, the word first is a very interesting word. This Bible word just means first in importance. It's the word priority. He's saying, this is what I want in the church, and he says, the first thing that I want a church to be doing, notice what it is, that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All four of those words are just kind of unique distinctives for one big thing, prayer. You talking to God, not just individually in your home, but corporately in the church. Jesus said, I want my house to be the house of prayer. Sam Rayner is our church consultant that has been giving us guidance this year on how we can better reach our community and better minister to our church family. And one of the things he's encouraging us is to have a renewed emphasis on prayer. Remember, 29 years ago when Paul and I came to start the church, there's one verse that God really spoke to me about. It was Acts 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, our beliefs are vital, and fellowships, our relationships, the way we connect. That's why my number one prayer request is that we would be a united church. Doctrine and fellowship, then breaking of bread. Next week, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper, the communion uh, will go on during the service. And then the last thing he says that we should be united in is prayer. We are to be a praying church. In Acts 6 4, the description of Christian leaders is simply this We will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. He said, I want you to be a praying church. So let me ask you a couple questions as we get into the message here. First is this, do we pray enough in our Sunday services? Do we pray enough in our Sunday services? Secondly, do our ministry teams pray before we get involved in serving? Can people sense the presence of God when they come to Choice Baptist Church? I mean, as people come in, can they sense that we love Jesus Christ? Can they sense the presence of God? Can they sense that the Holy Spirit is at work in our church as we pray? A couple questions brought to home. How is your personal prayer life? I mean, not just praying at church, but praying at home. Not praying over your meal or praying as you go to bed, but really spending time in your personal prayer life. Does my family see me pray? And last, does my public worship exemplify my love for Christ? I mean, if people were to look around as you were singing or as you're listening to the message or as we conclude at the invitation of you allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life and as you walk out of here to serve God this week, as people look at your countenance, as they look at your attitude, as they look at your way of life, could they sense, man, there's something different about that person? 
You see, in, in 1 Timothy 2.8, so if we skip down a few verses, he says something about this idea of praying again. He says, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere. Now, at other times in this passage, when the word man is used, he's talking about mankind. He's talking about humanity. He's talking about everybody. But in this verse, he uses the word for maleness. Remember, there are two types of people that God created, right? I know it's a confusing society, but God created male and female, right? I mean, those are the two uh, that he made. And so he's talking about the males, okay? He's talking about the men here, the biological males. We do understand. I'm not going to carry on that anymore, but you know what we're talking about here. Guys, God's talking to you. And he says, I want you to be a leader. I want you to be a leader in your home. I want you to be a leader in the church. I want you to be a leader in prayer. I want you to be a leader in worship. This is what I want for you. This is what he's saying here. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, okay? I want you to be a praying person. So that means not just private prayers, but being able to offer public prayers as well. And he says, this is going to get difficult on you. Here's a passage that I kind of struggle with sometimes. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. He's talking about us expressing ourselves outwardly. Now, I am not Pastor Steve, right? You know that uh, somebody, Pastor Steve, somebody in the first service had never been in one of our services, and they said, wow, that guy on the keyboards, man, he, he just inspired me, his love for Jesus. Now, you don't have to be Pastor Steve, right? That one is enough, maybe, right? Is that true, Pat? I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, my wife tells me one Tim Wilcox is enough at least. But listen, you might be, you know, the stick in the mud over here. Just, that's just not me. And notice this verse says, I want men to lift their hands unless it's just not them. It, it didn't say that, did it? Well, but I'm a reserved person, and I want you to know I'm a reserved person as well. I, you know, I don't express a lot of emotion. I'm not real emotional at home. I'm not real emotional at church. I'm not real emotional. I am alive, Paula, but uh, I'm not you know, super emotional. And uh, I told her when we got married, I'm just not a very affectionate, not a very emotional person. And we had our first baby, and I'm playing with the baby, and I get this angry stare at me. I'm just playing with the baby. I'm like, something's going on. And I look over at her, and she said, I thought you didn't know how to show affection, you know? And uh, I was like, oh, okay, busted there, right? Okay, so uh, now listen, God wants you to express yourself. I don't care how you express yourself. I mean, it is between you and God, but notice what he does say. I want you to lift up holy hands. And maybe just start like this and put it back down really quickly, you know, something like that. And just at least get a start. But God says, but listen, what's more than lifting of the hand? Here's what he says. I want you to lift up holy hands. Wow. Do I come to God this morning with clean hands and a pure heart? You know, do I have holy hands? What is my lifestyle? Am I exemplifying? Guys, he's talking to us here. Am I exemplifying before my family a life of holiness, a life of love? Do I provide that type of leadership in my own personal life? Again, let's go back to verse one. You guys got kind of quiet on me, so I'll skip over that one for a little while. All right, look at verse one. Therefore, I exhort first of all. Here's the priority. 
that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, thanking God, coming before God. When you have some emotion, don't post it on social media, but pray. When you start to worry, don't worry, but pray. When you start to get angry, don't get angry, but pray. You want to go protest what's going on in the world? No, don't go protest, pray. You can do all those things after you pray, but first, pray. This is the first thing that I want you to do in a couple weeks. June 5th, some churches are gathering together and uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning down in Fredericksburg, I'll give you some more uh, ideas about this, but there's gonna be a prayer walk going on, praying for our community. As we move toward the end of the summer, I'm just starting to learn about this, but our, our outreach team is planning some pray and go events that we're gonna be involved in, that we're gonna be able in our own time or organized times to be able to go throughout our community and just pray and walk through our community and pray for those that don't know Jesus. When you have a ministry team, get together and pray with them ahead of time. Our online ministry, we want to add more prayer to us being online. In 2022, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is going to have an outreach event in Fredericksburg. It's going to be a great day where uh, throughout the community, all the way through the Rappahannock uh, greater regions, churches are going to gather together and Billy Graham's grandson is going to be preaching and beginning right now until 2022, they're going to be putting together teams of people praying for that weekend that God would do some amazing things. Let's be a church that is praying. I want you to pray. Look again at verse 1. I want you to pray for all men. We're to pray for everybody. But then he goes a little bit further. Look at verse 2. For kings and for all who are in authority. What's he talking about? He's talking about our civil servants, our community leaders. Today we have several of our community leaders uh, here, and Pastor Steve, if you'd uh, help us out again with a, a mic, and I'm gonna have them come in just a second. I, I, you know, I pray for these leaders regularly. I pray for the president and his wife. I pray for the vice president and her husband. I pray for the families that are involved in providing guidance and direction. I pray for the Supreme Court and our Congress. I pray for our local congressman, Rob Whitman. I pray for our sheriff. I pray for our school superintendent and our school board and our sheriff and those kind of things that I, I pray for. I have them on our prayer list. And today we have an opportunity to pray for these community leaders. I'm asking them to come, and they're going to share who they are, the role that they currently serve in. And then here's a big thing, how we, right now in the Choice family this morning, can pray for them. And after they come, and they're just going to stand up here, as I pray out loud, if some of you would come and just pray over these leaders, you know, how important it is to pray for our leaders, all the way from the president to our local leaders. Remember, politics is always local. And you know what the biggest deals are? The most local people, these families that we have uh, coming to uh, share in just a minute. So, Delegate Cole, let me start with uh, you, if you would come and just share uh, yourself and your role and uh, the best way we can pray for you. Well, uh, thank you very much, Pastor. It's an honor to be here with you all, to worship with you. We're not on yet, are we? Do we want to make sure our online can... Is it on? Here we go. All right. All right. 
Well, uh, I'm Mark Cole. I represent the area in the uh, Virginia House of Delegates and the uh, General Assembly. Uh, and uh, just ask that you uh, remember me in prayer. Uh, I'm, I am retiring from this post. I'm not seeking re-election, uh, but I will be serving until January. So just keep me in your prayers that God would guide and direct and help me to do what's right. And uh, also pray for my family. Uh, you know, over the years, uh, it's, it's been sacrifice on their part as well uh, to allow me to serve. And I uh, just pray that uh, you all uh, keep praying hard uh, for the nation and for the Commonwealth. Uh, that, that God's spirit would move and, and send a revival because that's what, uh, what the nation and the state really needs. So, thank you. Thank you. Hello, I'm Philip Scott. I am running to replace Mark Cole, and so I have the nomination to uh, be on the ballot in November. And so with your prayers, we can continue to make sure that we have somebody representing this area that's going to serve. Um, specifically, I ask that you pray for me uh, that, I, that my speech may be uh, beyond reproach so that the opponent, the enemy, has nothing to say against me. Um, you find in Titus the roles uh, or, or the qualifications of an elder. And I ask that you pray that those characteristics are, are found in my life because I believe that those are things that all Christians should strive for. Uh, to make sure that we are being self-controlled, slow to wrath, that we are training up our, our children the way that we should train our children. As, as Pastor mentioned, it's the role of the parent. And so as a parent with five young children, I've got that responsibility. And so we need to make sure that we are having folks represent us and serve us that are demonstrating those characteristics out in the community. I also pray that I ask that you pray for my wife, who's home with our five children right now, five young children. They range from seven years old to two months old. Um, so just a very young family, and she's very busy. We also have a, a special needs child, and so she's got her hands full with that. And so I just ask that you pray for grace for her, wisdom for me. Well, hello, my name is Holly Hazard. I currently represent uh, the Hartwood District on the school board. Uh, big things to be praying about uh, as a community. Many of you may have heard that Dr. Kisner is going to be uh, retiring as of September 1st due to uh, health issues. If any of you have kids in the school, you may have heard that. Um, I would ask specifically for you to pray for him. Um, I think when God is, um, when you are looking at um, potential end of life, it's a time for you to examine. It's a time for you to find the Lord. So if you feel led, I would just write him notes of encouragement. I would also be praying for him to, um, to find the Lord um, because the Lord speaks to us sometimes in tough, in tough times. I would ask for you to pray for the school board because uh, finding the new leader educational leader for a community is is difficult um, right now superintendents are not exactly excited to um, be in that role it's a very difficult role uh, COVID has um, had lots of retirements uh, so I would ask that you pray for the board in the coming weeks that um, the right processes are in place the right um, 
investigations are done and that God will call the right leader and I hope a godly educational leader into our community. That would be something I would ask for you to all pray for. And I just think for the board, as we open up schools uh, post-pandemic, uh, I believe there's going to be a lot of growth. If anybody knows me, that's what I talk about all the time. And for our teachers and for our staff, because I think the beginning of school is going to be challenging with a lot of kids. And just pray for um, all of our um, wisdom in the coming months. Well, thank you, Holly. I'm going to ask if you would uh, be willing to come and pray over one of these three individuals and their families. You can do that uh, at this time, and I'll pray uh, quietly. But pray for Delegate Cole, the uh, uh, laws and uh, the positions that he's taken these 20 years have been so awesome, and uh, the criticism he's faced. Phil, as he moves ahead in this role, just pray for wisdom and guidance that God will put the right person there. Uh, Holly as well, this is her uh, final term as well, that uh, God would work in the Hartwood area as well as uh, our local district. But let's just pray for these families, and uh, I've told Holly before, she's just a rock star as far as the stand that she's taken in, in our own. Uh, local county with decisions. And so let's pray for these individuals as well as uh, our national leaders as well. As I pray out loud online, if you're comfortable, just pray out loud for these individuals, for our country as well. Dear Father, you said if we lack wisdom that we should ask of you, that you would give it to us, that you would provide it abundantly. I pray that you would do that with each of these individuals here. Grant them grace, grant them guidance. May your Holy Spirit just uh, emanate in their life. May the love of Christ be demonstrated. Lord, I, I pray that you would be exalted in the decisions that are made. I pray for our Supreme Court. I pray for our sheriff and our uh, deputies. God, I pray for our other elected officials in Stafford County in the greater Fredericksburg area. Lord, for our Supreme Court and the guidance there. With our congressmen, may your will be done. I pray for a president that you would provide guidance and wisdom for him. May we be a nation that uh, exalts you. God, may righteousness exalt this nation. May your will be done. And Lord, we lift these things up to you, praying for your glorification, praying that we would be a people that would humble ourselves and seek your face, that you would heal our land. And God, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a hand to all these uh, families for their leadership. <clears throat> How awesome that we as a church, what's the priority? What's the first thing? He says, I want you to pray. Pray for all men and then pray for those that are in authority. Now, he gives us the reason here. I want you to see this. I want you to pray for those that are in authority for a particular reason. Look again at verse 2. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. 
The purpose of praying for our community and praying for our government is that we wouldn't have protests, that we wouldn't have riots, that we wouldn't have anarchy in our country, that our leaders could be leaders, that they would provide peace in our land. Now, why does God want us to have peace in our land? Well, look at the next verse, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our, what's that next word? Our Savior. It's all about the Savior. Verse 4, he goes on. Who desires all men to be saved. Is there anybody that is beyond the reach of God? No. I want you to have peace in society because God's love must prevail that all men can be saved. How do they get saved? By coming to the knowledge of the truth. Well, what's the truth? Look at verse five. For there is one God. We live in a very pluralistic society today. You choose the God of your choice. No, the Bible says there's one God. There's not a pantheistic grouping of gods. There's only one God. There's not multiple gods. No, there is one God. And then one mediator between God and man. There's only one person that can get you to heaven. And let me tell you, it's not me. It's not a priest. It's not Mary. It's not a church. It's not yourself. It's not your parents or your good works. There's one mediator between God and man. The God-man, Jesus, who was both God and man, takes the hand of God and the hand of man and through the cross of Jesus Christ brings them together. How does he do that? Verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all. The word ransom simply means this, to purchase out of slavery. A ransom. Somebody paid the price for my sin and your sin. Who did that? Jesus. How can he be our savior? How can we uh, share the knowledge of the truth with the world so that they could be saved? That's God's will. He doesn't love us more than he loves somebody that didn't come to church today. He doesn't love us more than somebody's got some uh, issues in their life. I love the songs talking about lay down your burdens, lay down your addictions. Hey, that's what the cross does, isn't it? The cross transforms us. It changes us. How? Through his ransom, the death, burial, and resurrection. He's our substitute. He took our place. He paid the price that you could have eternal life. I got two questions for you today. First, simply this. Do you know that you're going to heaven? Do you have that settled in your life? Are you positive that the moment that you die, you breathe your last breath in this life, that you would spend eternity in heaven? It's not, I hope I'm going to heaven, I'd like to go uh, to heaven, but you can know that for sure. How? By trusting what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus paid our price, the ransom, by calling upon his name. The waters of baptism doesn't save you. Being a member of a church doesn't save you. Living a good life doesn't save you. Jesus paid the price. Do you know you're going to heaven? And if you do know you're going to heaven, here's my second question. Are you sharing this message with others? If you know you're going to spend eternity in heaven, God wants us to bring other people into eternity as well that they would go to heaven to live forever and ever, that they could have the forgiveness of sins, that their life could be transformed, that they would have purpose and meaning in life, that they would have this hope in life. And I think one of the best ways to demonstrate our witness, our example, is through the waters of baptism. 
Today we have some families going to follow the Lord in baptism, and we're excited about that. And I'll have them introduce uh, themselves in a, uh, a few minutes and as we uh, enter into the waters uh, today. But here, here's what I want to ask you. If you don't know you're saved, call upon him. If you know that you're saved, has there been that point that you've been baptized? If you've been saved and baptized, why not get connected to the church? Join the church. Get involved. Let's make a difference. Make disciples. And what's our prayer life like? As you just consider that, your personal prayer life, your family prayer life, your church prayer life, our worship before God and lifting up holy hands, let's just bow our heads for a minute. And as the team comes, if you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, call upon Jesus today. This is something that I prayed as a teenager. I simply prayed, dear Jesus, I know you love me, and I believe you died for me. Please come into my life, forgive my sins, and take me to heaven when I die. Trust him today. Call upon his name. If you have that settled, pray for somebody that doesn't know. Who can you invite? Who can you be a godly example toward? Someone at school, someone in your job, a neighbor in your community, on your sports team? Let's make sure that we're living the life. Dad, what's your prayer life like before your family? Mom, how's your devotional life? Young person, are you getting in your Bible and spending time in prayer? This priority of the church, let's be people of prayer. Dear Father, I ask that you would work. let God speak to your heart and as those preparing for baptism now go off the stage Pastor Steve let me just turn it over to you and you pray for the families and the individuals here then we'll sing our last song scripture together. Would you go ahead and stand as we do? I would like us all to uh, just say together out loud John 3, 16. Would you do that? Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his own God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. 
through him. Hallelujah. 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 This uh, last song we're going to sing today is simply called that God So Loved. So as we uh, come together to sing and to be able to experience the witness of baptism today, I'm so excited. So excited to see lives enter through those waters that symbolize so much in that relationship with Christ. Let's uh, sing this song together.
down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Amen. You may be seated. Woo, how exciting is this over here? <laughs> Love it. Whoops. Uh, baptism this morning. Uh, we have the Albrights uh, coming, both Sydney and uh, Eric, following in baptism, and uh, had the opportunity this uh, past week or so to talk to both of them about uh, why they want to follow in baptism. There's always two questions. Do you know that you're saved? And then secondly, why do you want to follow in baptism? Baptism doesn't wash our sins away, but it is a beautiful demonstration of our walking in newness of life. And uh, Eric, uh, if you just quickly uh, share for uh, both of you, just how come uh, you're making this decision today, okay? Sure, thanks, Pastor. Uh, Eric Albright, I know some or most of you already uh, floating around there, but, um, you know, the reason I made this decision or want to make this decision today um, is uh, as a young child, I grew up uh, in the Methodist church, was baptized very young, never as an adult. Um, and then, you know, my wife, Christina, was Catholic. Um, and so as, once we got married, we would never really find any common bond or connection. And we grew apart from the Lord, frankly. Um, and two years ago, um, we had gone, we'd hit some, like, as a lot of marriages do, some pretty rough marital struggles. Um, and at the time, like when we were in the, that, that dark spot, um, one, of the, one of the people that helped uh, dig us out of that hole was my mother who's sitting here with me today. Um, and she said, well, where are you guys going to church and are you going together? And the answer was well, we aren't really involved in church, um, and we weren't going together. Uh, and so at that point, that time, I prayed um, that, he would, that God would come into my life and Jesus would save me and, and, and help give me strength in the marriage. And two years later, you know, now uh, I'm standing here with my daughter. Um, I've been able to develop a relationship with him, and he's delivered in spades, and I owe everything to him. And I, would, I look forward to the opportunity to give my life to him going forward. Um, and so that's how I got here today. This is Sydney, and uh, so excited to see her follow the Lord in uh, baptism today. Uh, something I shared with her, when Jesus got baptized, uh, the heavens rolled back, and uh, God the Father said, this is my son, and he pleases me, and I know that God is pleased today as well. Sydney, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Upon your public profession of your faith in him and obedience to his command, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, <clears throat> raised in the likeness of his resurrection. <clears throat> well, Eric just uh, publicly shared about his faith. So Eric, upon your public profession of your faith in him and obedience to his command, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. <clears throat> Garrett, let me turn it back over to you, and uh, let's just pray 
for the Albright family. Thank you all so much for being here. Thanks, everyone. And uh, what an encouragement to see this. If you have any questions, next week we have our service, baptism and Lord's Supper in our family service. So let me turn it over to you if you just pray, and then I uh, can give announcements or whatever you guys lead to do here. Yeah, so let me give you a couple of quick announcements, and I'll pray for the Albright family, and you guys will be dismissed. Um, if you're new, to choice your first time here, uh, text the word welcome to 540-346-4917. We'd love to get you some more information about the church uh, and get you connected in whatever best way we can. If you're a member and you have not text, texted the word loop to the same number, be sure to do that as well so you can stay connected. We have next step cards at the Welcome Center. So maybe for you, the next step is baptism or maybe it's getting connected to a small group. Uh, maybe it's becoming a regular attendee. Whatever your next step is, we want to come alongside of you in that. So fill out the card, drop it in one of the offering boxes, or uh, give it to one of the pastors. We'd love to, to help you out in whatever way we can. Uh, and then tithes and offerings, you can give a number of different ways. We have these boxes on the stage. You can give through the Church Center app, or you can just text the amount to 84321 as well. Make it real easy for you. It's still not too late to get signed up for a small group either. So um, make sure that you get signed up over the course of the next... A few days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the newest, the newest addition to the Erickson household. So that's Evelyn Grace. Um, she was born a couple weeks ago. So get signed up for a small group. Get connected. Uh, we want to make sure that we minister to you, you in whatever way we can. So thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for those of you who are online. Hey, let's do this. If you'll stand. Uh, we'll be dismissed via prayer. And as we, as we heard this morning, here's, here's what I would ask. I don't know. Uh, how comfortable you are, but um, it's biblical. And so uh, maybe if you'll just join me, heads bowed, eyes closed. Uh, and for those of you who are comfortable, just lift holy hands to the Lord. And as his word says, to lift holy hands. And so uh, as we close in prayer, just consider your own life and consider any, any hindrances that may be in your life between you and the Lord. And if there's sin that is prohibiting you from experiencing right standing and fellowship with the Father, then repent of that sin and turn back to him. Because as we just sang, he's waiting there with open arms. And so, Father, we pray to you this morning, and we thank you for this time together, Lord. And, and, and I pray for the Albright family specifically. Lord, what, a, what an incredible testimony of your faithfulness, of your goodness, of your steadfastness, God, what an incredible family. And so, to, and so to see father and daughter standing together, proclaiming that they've been made new by Jesus, and then following his command to be baptized, to display that publicly, to let the world know that I'm not ashamed of my relationship with Christ. And it resembles, God, and it resembles being buried and being raised in newness of life. You are the provider of life, life everlasting. And so thank you for that testimony this morning. And Lord, I pray for, for those that are here. Lord, and as we, as we lift our hands to you, we acknowledge our need for you. Lord, that, that in this life, we cannot do it alone. And so we fall before your feet. God, we acknowledge our shortcomings. And I pray that you would reveal sin in our lives, Lord, so that where there's exposure, there can be correction. And Lord, you're waiting there with open arms. And I pray we would turn back to the Father because he loves us. You love us. God, 
thank you. Thank you for this morning. Lord, go with us. And we pray all of this this morning in Jesus. In Jesus' holy and in his precious and in his wonderful name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Enjoy your Sunday. We'll see you back here next week.